folks. Welcome back to the Ubuntu Security Podcast. It is 2024, the first episode for this year, and we're back with a bunch of stuff to talk about. A few things have gone down during the holiday period, and we will do a recent roundup of security fixes and things that have gone into Ubuntu this week. Plus, we're going to have a bit of a chat about the recent revival of Full Disclosure and a bunch of zombie CVEs that have been spammed onto there for open source projects. Andre from our team has been looking at some AppSec uh, software in Ubuntu and the recent announcement of the uh, 2304 end of life. So we'll get to that a bit later. First, uh, we will look at some security updates that have happened in the past week, as is our want. So 81 unique CVs were addressed by the team and the kernel team were busy first with a bunch of updates there. Uh, I'm not going to go over particular kernel updates, but I am going to talk about kernel vulnerabilities here. Basically, if you're running Ubuntu, you've probably got a kernel update to install, so make sure you install it. But yeah, some of the more interesting vulnerabilities that we did see in the kernel, and these are sort of spread out against different kernel releases. First was for the old kernel that we still ship in Ubuntu 14.04. So that is a trusty tar that is still supported under Ubuntu Pro. And there was a vulnerability there in IGMP protocol. This essentially allows multiple devices to share the same IPv4 address and hence all receive the same data via IPv4 multicasting. It's often used for things like video streaming and the like. But in this case, there was a race condition that could occur between two different threads in the handling of a timer. That could then cause the timer to be registered on an object, which is then later freed by another thread. As such, when the timer fires, the thread will try and access that object, which is now being freed, and that's a use after free. Uh, as a result, you're likely going to get a crash. But if you can corrupt memory in the right way, then hey, you can get uh, code execution in the kernel. Now, this is the kind of thing that uh, does require CapNet admin to be able to set up, but hey, you can get that quite easily as a local user in an unprivileged user namespace. And so, yeah, another reason why we want to uh, be disabling that for Ubuntu 24.04 that's going to be coming out uh, in a few months' time, and I will talk about that a bit more in a future episode. Moving on from that, though, we did have a more kernel update. So in these ones, uh, there was also that IGMP use after free plus an out-of-bounds write in the perf subsystem. In this case, it was a more traditional vulnerability where it just didn't properly check the size of all events when processing them. That would then lead to direct memory corruption, and that's, again, able to be triggered by a local user. Uh, And on older kernels like the 4.4 kernel, which is still shipped in Ubuntu 16.04, this can be done directly from user space. Similarly, a divide by zero that I've talked about previously on some AMD processors that could then return speculative data was fixed, and that's a result in an info leak. And yeah, I talked about that one a bit more back in episode 210 last year. So one of our OEM kernels, again, had that uh, perf out-of-bounds write plus a couple of different use after freeze and the net filter subsystem. Again, both of those want CapNet admin to be able to trigger them. And that, again, you can get that through uh, an unprivileged uh, local user namespace. Uh, and you know, in this case, you obviously need to be able to create net filter chains and the like. So yeah, with CapNet admin, you can do that in your own uh, user namespace. Uh, so yeah, another good reason to want to be disabling those or limiting them where we can. Uh, and I think there's just one other kernel vulnerability to go through. Yeah, in SMB, there was a user after free in the Samba client implementation in the kernel, again, leading to a possible local crash or privilege escalation there as well. All right, so moving on from kernel updates, though, we had an update for uh, the Apache Session LDAP module. 
Uh, this would uh, not check the validity of an X509 certificate since it uses the underlying net uh, LDAPS Perl module, which by default doesn't do this. And so that then requires the application to explicitly set the right parameters to instruct it to do so. And it's not the first instance of this vulnerability that actually we've seen. We've seen it in other packages that use that same underlying Perl module as well. So yeah, if you are writing Perl code and you're using uh, the net LDAPS module, uh, make sure you are setting it to do certificate validation. What else? So Puma was updated for a couple of our recent releases. So 23.04 and 23.10. Uh, this is the HTTP server for Ruby Rack applications and it uses threading for improved performance. In this case, a couple of vulnerabilities here in the one CVE. So it was vulnerable to a HTTP request smuggling attack since it would fail to properly parse packets with the chunked transfer encoding. Also, it failed to set a limit on the size of the chunk extensions, which could then allow you to do a CPU or network-based denial of service attack against it, basically soaking up all the CPU cycles or all of the network bandwidth as a result. Paramico was then updated for Ubuntu releases 23.04, 22.04, and 23.10. This is the fix for the recently disclosed Terrapin attack and that was disclosed back in December. This is actually a flaw in the SSH protocol itself which allows an attacker who is able to interpose on the connection to drop the uh, ext info message which is sent during the handshake to negotiate various protocol extensions and you can drop that in a way that neither the client or the server will notice and in what you do there is essentially just send an empty ignored packet with the same sequence number. And that can be done quite easily if you are able to kind of sit in the middle of that connection uh, as an attacker since during that stage of the connection there's no encryption in place you know you are setting up the encrypted tunnel basically there the end result is that the attacker can then cause uh, a loss of integrity to the overall connection since uh, they won't be able to detect that modification or potentially you actually can compromise the key exchange itself and cause a loss of confidentiality as well by being able to then snoop on all the data that does get sent over that encrypted connection uh, so we then had updates as well for uh, Ginger2, uh, MariaDB, Exim, uh, Firefox was updated to the latest upstream release for Ubuntu 20.04 LTS. And if you're running uh, other Ubuntu releases uh, since that, you have always got the Firefox Snap that's always running the latest version. What else? We had updates for Ceph, TinyXML, uh, MySQL as well, Amanda, OpenLDAP, uh, the X server, and Pillow, and uh, LibDE265. So I've gone over those quite quickly. Uh, yeah, not mentioning real details there because a lot of them have very similar vulnerabilities. And if you want to know more, you can always go and read uh, the security notices about that. And that is it for the week in security updates. All right, so looking at some other Ubuntu security news, we did have the announcement of the end of life of Ubuntu 23.04, the Lunar Lobster. This was released back in April 2023. Uh, and like all of our interim releases, it was supported for nine months. As a result, it reached its end of life on the 25th of January. It won't receive any package updates, uh, that's security or bug fixes as a result, and uh, the mirror for that will be archived to oldreleases.ubuntu.com soon in the coming weeks. As a result, uh, you don't have long to actually go and sort of follow the easy upgrade path to upgrade to uh, the next supported interim release, which is 2310, the Magic Minotaur. Um, you can do that at the moment by just running uh, do release upgrade or you know running uh, the update manager GUI if you're on the desktop. Um, but yeah, once that does get archived, it 
the um, app sources will point to something that doesn't exist anymore and you're going to have to go and manually update your app sources to then refer to the old releases .com server instead before you go and try and perform your upgrade. So just yeah, a note there. I've got um, a couple links in the show notes if you want more details on how to do that upgrade and even you know and how to do that upgrade once that release has been archived. Uh, but yeah, the Mantic Minotaur, which you can upgrade to as the next interim release if you are still running uh, Luna, was released in October. Uh, it's going to be supported for about five more months then until July this year. And then, hey, you can upgrade to uh, 2404 when that comes out in April. So there's always uh, at least a few Ubuntu releases you can upgrade to normally. Okay, uh, so yeah, if you are running Luna, I urge you to upgrade now. The next thing I wanted to mention is this awesome AppSec in Ubuntu post that was done by Andre on the uh, Ubuntu discourse. I've got a link to that in the show notes if you want to know more. But essentially what Andre has done there is compiled a list of various tools that are available in Ubuntu which can be used by security researchers and the like. Uh, this does include things available both as Debs via Apt or from the Snap Store. It includes a bunch of tools for things like uh, coordinated vulnerability disclosure, so that's interacting with uh, Midas CVE API, as well as things like fuzzing, um, license scanning of projects, reverse engineering, runtime process analysis, like uh, detecting memory errors and the like, uh, security linting, so things like uh, doing static code analysis, uh, symbolic execution, uh, threat modeling, scanning for vulnerable dependencies within your applications, uh, web scanning, so scanning web uh, things for common errors, as well as runtime application isolation, so things like doing sandboxing and the like as well. So basically, whether you're a software engineer looking to make your software more secure or a security researcher trying to find vulnerabilities or even a security engineer wanting uh, to help with uh, vulnerability management, there's likely something in the list for you. So I recommend you go and check it out. Um, and if you find anything missing, you can just send Andre a pull request as he's hosted this list on GitHub following the usual kind of awesome style of lists. So yeah, if there's something missing there that you use from Ubuntu for your security research or others, uh, definitely let Andre know. And the last thing I wanted to mention this week uh, that kind of piqued my interest was uh, noticing a bunch of emails to the full disclosure mailing list with a heap of CVE reports for various open source projects. Now, full disclosure, you know, I guess, was once the place that a lot of this stuff happened. Nowadays, we have things like the OSS security mailing list in particular where um, open source software vulnerabilities get reported. Um, and yeah, it used to be uh, it, well, it used to be that you would see hundreds of posts to that list in a month. Nowadays, you will see just a, uh, maybe sort of 10 or 15. Um, but in the month of January, just gone, uh, there was a huge increase. So there were 75 messages compared to the usual kind of 15 or maybe 30 that was posted for any month back in 2020. Uh, a lot of these were from Meng Ruji from the National University of Singapore and they posted 36 different CVE reports across a large range of open source software projects. This includes things like Redis Raft, um, TinyDTLS, Mesa, Ncurses, Vim, GTK, Qt and a bunch of others as well. Almost all of these were described as a null pointer dereference or a buffer overflow or something like that. So traditional kind of software flaws that we see. Um, but I guess what was interesting is that then Alan Coppersmith from uh, Xorg Project raised this on the OSS security mailing list since uh, none of the issues that had been reported had been raised privately with any of the projects. So he was a little bit miffed about that, I suppose. But also that most of the CVE descriptions appeared to be quite bogus. So for one of the CVEs that was against Mesa, uh, Meng describes them as a null point of view reference. However, the associated uh, issue that they point to in uh, 
uh, the Mesa uh, GitLab, describes a possible out-of-bounds read. Uh, and again, there's not really much evidence even in that issue that that is potentially able to be influenced by the caller and hence not a lot of uh, evidence that it's really a security issue there at all from what I can see. And so it's a pretty similar with a lot of these other CVEs as well. They kind of mention something that sounds like a security issue, but when you go and dig into the details, it's not really clear that A, that is the real issue, or B, that it actually is a security issue at all, um, just because... Um, and so what it looks like is that um, these different CVEs appear to have been assigned by just looking for either reports in upstream in upstream issue trackers that mention things like you know opportunity reference or you know buffer overflow or whatever it might be or upstream commits that mention words like null pointer dereference and the like um, but without any consideration as to whether they're actual vulnerabilities and so you know just uh, as an example just because some code may you know, if you read the code and you say ah oh, you know if this that would happen and that would happen well you'd get a null pointer dereference um, that doesn't necessarily mean it's a security issue because what you need is you need an attacker to be able to influence the code such that, that they can cause that to occur and trigger it. Uh, and so, and generally then you also need something like a privilege boundary to be crossed as well. Um, so like, oh, well, and so, uh, and so you know, because a lot of these appear bogus, likely almost all of them will get disputed. And so as a result, you know, all this work that Meng has done to try and find these probably ends up providing no real value in the end. Ultimately, uh, they waste the time of open source software developers trying to you know, look into these issues when they do get reported in this sort of out-of-band way. And also for people like Ubuntu and stuff to respond to these reports and investigate them within the distro and the like too. So if you are someone setting up, say, a project at a university to go looking for uh, software flaws and the like, uh, try to make sure that you are doing some due diligence on them before you go and assign CVEs and get them uh, reported that way. And I guess you'll save everyone some time. And I guess it reminds me uh, of certain things that we see where uh, different projects in the past have gone and fuzzed huge amounts of uh, open source projects. They've found a heap of different crashes and reported those as likely vulnerabilities. But yeah, again, just every crash doesn't necessarily mean it's a vulnerability. I mean, at least in those cases, you've probably got at least a good test case that is able to in, uh, demonstrate the issue. Um, but it doesn't, again, mean that it's a security issue. So yeah, not all um, perceived crashes or not all perceived memory corruption issues are actually security issues. You need to do a bit of homework and dig into the details and make sure that you actually do have, uh, again, like a some way to either influence that as an attacker or some way to cross a privilege boundary as a result. All right. Okay. So I'm going to get off my uh, high horse now. Um, that is it for uh, this week's episode. As usual, hey, if you want to get in contact with the team, you can still email us, security at Ubuntu.com. You can also find us in the Ubuntu security channel on libera.chat and come chat to us on IRC, uh, old school style. Or you can uh, hit us up on Mastodon. We are at Ubuntu security at fosterdon.org there as well. So yeah, welcome back everyone for 2024. Thanks everyone for listening again for another week. Uh, I'll be back again with you all next week. But until then, remember, keep calm because we've got your back and I'll speak to you soon. Bye.